Welcome to Day One Patch Podcast, episode 369. I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. Uh, we've got Matt with us today. You do? Uh, Tim is on a uh, voyage. Oh, he's on a voyage? Is it like... Yeah, he's on a three-hour tour. Uh, we hope to see him soon. Of Narnia? Or like where? No. Oh, I don't know. You said tour. I just wanted to... Where, I thought were, we were... Where, were, where were they were sailing in Gilligan's Island? It's weird that you thought of Gilligan's Island, and the very first thing I thought of when you brought this up was the Lord of the Rings... I mean, spoiler, I guess. The Lord of the Rings journey with Bilbo at the end. <laughs> I said three-hour tour, though. That's the Gilligan's Island song. Oh, well, I don't know anything about music. Don't... Not just the music. It's a theme song. Oh, well, that, that still does I'm not watching Gilligan's Island every day. I got uh. TV land up or <laughs> Deja Vu or whatever it is. Although they're probably showing uh, shows from, like, the 80s now, right? I don't know, man, because, like, when, what, when were we watching it? We, let's say we were watching it when we were, like, 10. <laughs> Yeah, I was watching like 2000s. All right, so like 2002, <clears throat> they were showing 60s and 50s. Yeah. And like rarely 40s. So we're up 10 years. Maybe it's like rarely 50s now. And like 60s, 70s is the big the big stuff. Maybe. I don't, know. I don't even know if I have that station anymore. I couldn't tell you either, if I'm being honest. I don't really watch cable or, or satellite anymore. There is a solemn... Uh, I don't know if solemn is the right word to use, but there is a, a a comfort to it being forever running. If I'm really sick and <laughs> I do not want to mess with the remote, I will turn on the TV and there's something comforting about me not having to press. Yes, I'm still watching or press play or next or anything. You know, what I never did this is kind of a, we're getting sidetracked already, but. I never went into my satellite guide and like favorited all the stations they want and then only show the favorites. Cause my biggest problem is you just get this deluge of like channels. Oh yeah. Not, not to mention we have both HD and SD channels. So you have duplicate channels. Yep. And then you have the, like the time zone channels. So we're getting like BC stuff, you know, I don't need to see any of that. I just want only HD channels and, and only the ones I want, but I just never took the time to sit down and, favorite them though the software although it is different per provider but the software is usually not that intuitive yeah so it's not like a phone where you're like hey let's make this a little faster and <laughs> it's just a click and hold and then like click a star away it's usually like click options go to here yeah. go to here and it's a whole thing so people people complain about like having all these uh, uh different like streaming services and we're just back to like what cable used to be but i find it better because it's like i really only have like five streaming services holy crap that's like having five channels you know um, so it's it, it feels less daunting to me than than turning on the tv and looking at a guide full of a thousand stations i will say there's one problem i have which is with with these streaming services i forget what is where especially if it's not third or if it is third party something like disney i can more or less expect it'll be on disney plus but if it's something that was made by just some production company that doesn't have their own streaming service or some channel that doesn't have their own streaming yeah. service, I will never remember where it is. It'll get removed before I get to watch it and stuff. Like, it's hard to track. And I kind of get the, the the channel surfing lostness feeling from that. Well, you don't you don't have a uh, a Chromecast with Google TV, right? I actually couldn't answer that. It kind of does it, and I think it's supposed to, but I don't know if it if it if it is. Because I think you need one of the newer ones that like specifically has Google TV. Because it actually has to run like an OS. 
I do have an just, ultra. It's not just like, but yours just like yours is just for casting or like calling up Netflix and, and or whatever else, right? Well, okay. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Now this is a massive tangent now, but here's the thing. So, um, I have a I have a, an ultra still in the box from when they gave us the free Stadia kit. Oh yeah. Uh, I still just use the regular one because I just have a 1080p TV. Now here's the thing though, is that. When I use YouTube, it runs the app on the TV now or on the Chromecast. So I literally say, hey, cast YouTube. And what it does is it pulls up the app and says, hey, in your mobile app, you can use the mobile app as a remote and you can like, you know, go up and down and press enter and stuff like this. Whereas before I had to go to find the video on the phone and then just cast just the video stream. Now it Mm -hmm. seems to be running like a little instanced thing. However, that could be streaming it from the phone. I don't know how that works. Well, so my point is, um, I use the Apple TV app, and you can search all the streaming services that are plugged into the Apple TV app. And so I don't really have to like think about where a show is. I just search it in the app, and it will tell me where it is. And you can just hit play right in the app, and it will open the corresponding streaming app for you. Minus Netflix. Netflix doesn't want to play ball with this. So that's the only caveat. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say minus Netflix, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, it's made my streaming life so much better. I do use that app. Uh, I don't have an Apple TV, but I do use that app on my iPad, Mm -hmm. uh, which I use maybe 50% of the time to control the TV and such. And it's pretty nice. But because there's no Netflix, I find myself just going to each individual app. That's weird because you should just you, your first stop should be the searching of the app, Apple TV app, and then if it's not there, you search Netflix. This is where my lostness, I think, becomes is because I, I go <laughs> and I and then I just like find something and I'm like, OK, fine. Like, I'll just rewatch Trailer Park Boys, I guess, tonight. And then I just do that or I'll just go on YouTube. Uh, I don't think Netflix, I forget the reasoning why they didn't want to join. I think they just want to. They don't want to be bundled in with everyone else. They want to kind of seem separate, maybe. But they I, think, are... I think Apple gave an incentive to all the other streaming platforms. You know, um, I could be wrong. You might want to double check on this. I could be completely wrong on this. But I believe it was like, you don't have to do that 30% thing. They're saying like, if you integrate with our Apple TV app, you use like Surrey search and all that stuff, you know, uh, then you'll only have to pay 15% or something like that. So they might have gave them a deal if they integrated with the Apple TV app. I think the thing with Netflix is they may be trying to become a platform themselves. A metaverse? I don't know about a metaverse, but they have games on there. A and I wonder, I wonder if they're going to they're going to try to become more more than just uh, movies and TV. They're like maybe going to do a hard push into gaming and maybe other areas as well. Who knows? That's, that's mm-hmm. totally speculative. All right. Let's talk about the news. Uh, some of the top ups, upcoming stories. Ubisoft announces a Splinter Cell remake. Kind of surprising, but also not surprising. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, a new DualSense wireless controller colors and PS5 console covers uh, have been announced. And then finally, uh, Microsoft explains how the Red Ring of Death happened. If you're too young to remember what that was, it was a nightmare for Xbox 360 owners who constantly had their consoles breaking and basically dying forever. It's nuts that there's people that would be too young to remember that. Like it feels, it feels weird considering my 360 hasn't been decommissioned for all that long. 
like maybe only four years. Right. Weird. Weird times. Uh, first off, though, we're going to do what's new. Matt, what's new with you? Um, Lots and lots of uh, weird stuff. Um, basically not a normal schedule for my for myself, I suppose. A lot of jumping around, I guess. More than weird, just jumping around. Been uh, playing Halo. Halo is hilarious. Um, I don't know whether I said that last week. Maybe I started it last week and I mentioned it, but... I've I did a little more uh, of these the campaign like five ten minutes, but I did get my uh, my feet wet in the multiplayer. Played quite a bit of multiplayer actually. Uh, played with a played with a friend uh, as well, and it's just it's just fun to play. Uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's just it, it's really easy to get into. And I I know a couple of people that have downloaded it. They were skeptical because they were just never huge Halo fans. But Game Pass, you know, kind of gives you that accessibility without having to pay. And they they jumped in and both of them, both their feedback was, you know, hey, this is just really easy to to play. There's no big barrier to entry. You don't you're not struggling trying to figure out, well, is this a class? Is this a perk? There's really Mm -hmm. none of that. It's just like, yeah, go in and go in and Halo, (laughs) if you will. Yeah, Yeah, Um, that's nice. And you'll learn the abilities as you go or you won't. And it doesn't really matter sometimes. So that's really nice. Uh, so I, I do want to get back to the campaign. But this week I've been been doing uh, quite a bit of new season stuff. So Fortnite, which has been you know going for a couple of weeks now. But Fortnite, uh, we've been winning like crazy. Holy crap. Uh, we're not it's in the competitive. It's, it's been, been awesome. Uh, not in the competitive playlist, to be totally clear, because we're just not at that level. Um, I don't think we want to be either. But it, it's no. just been it's just been super fun. I've uh, been <clears throat> I, I never lost my taste for Fortnite. I certainly had days where I was like it was kind of a lull or whatever. But if any of you basically had ever said, hey, let's jump in. Short of my lull period, I would have said, yeah, like almost like I think my lull period was three, four months. Like, I think you asked me to join during the Tomb Raider season, but I was That's still right, yeah. I was still burnt out because I, I had just played Warzone a bunch. I was and ready I, to get back in. Yeah, you were getting ready, and I was like, man, I've just played a bunch of BRs. Like, I can't keep playing these damn things. Um, but, like, yeah, once I was, like, done done being burnt out from, like, Battle Royales and, and such, I was, like, right back to Fortnite. It's super fun. Bought the... <laughs> bought the Marcus Phoenix skin, which... With, with, <laughs> with the Resonator, uh, the Sonic Resonator backpack, or back bling, as the game calls it. Hilarious. Love it. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, and run around and make Marcus Phoenix do a bunch of ridiculous dances. Uh, they released the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home skins. So they have uh, they have MJ and then they have uh, they saw the Tom Holland version, to be clear, of Spider-Man. There's a Spider-Man in the season, which I presume is like Marvel Comics, I suppose, Spider-Man. Yeah, and I this, think so. Yeah, and then this one is like actually <clears throat> Tom Holland because you can do an emote, which is pretty cool. The emote will actually change through your style. So mask on, mask off, which is pretty nice. So you bought the MJ and and you bought Spider Man, is that right, Ryan? Yeah, I bought the bundle. You bought the bundle, okay. I'm on the fence about Tom, the Tom Holland one. I kind of thinking to myself, you know, I'm working toward a Spider Man, and how how often am I going to have my mask off? Mm-hmm. So I kind of think I might just I might just do the the one I'm going to earn because like I like how many Spider Man costumes am I going to wear? <laughs> um, all of them. I, yeah, all of them. But if Master Chief comes back in the item shop, I would consider that. Uh, it's I guess. 
they put Marcus Phoenix in this series called the Gaming Legends series of uh, skins, I suppose. So I hope that, you know, by kind of labeling them as such, maybe there's going to be a, a, a resurgence of Gaming Legends and we might get some other cool ones, including Master Chief back in the shop. Unless that was a season reward, by the way, I don't think it was. So that's pretty cool. Um, other than that, a little bit of 76 still feels horrible, uh, to be blunt. <laughs> I, feels, I don't know what it is. It feels horrible being back. There's just, there's just, I'm doing the same quests. I don't want to level up every day. There's only so many times I can go into West Tech, pop a couple of uh, lunch boxes, and then level up. And doing the the Equinox event <laughs> is just sort of like, okay, like I've done this now, you know, ten ish times. Okay, like I've done it now. So I don't know. It uh, it feels weird. What what's weird also is that Ryan, you are not going ham. Are you going normal? You're like you're like treating the season as normal. Yeah, I'm actually taking it easy for once, which I rarely ever do. And I'm just still like bl- like blowing past you. It's same with Fortnite. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you're cheating. Is what you're doing. I, Fortnite, I had maybe one or two sessions without anyone, or like maybe with just Wes or something. No, but even even so, it does. I think you do enough to kind of get that leap ahead. Because last night with Wes, you played we played like another three rounds after I dropped out. Oh, and that yeah. wasn't that wasn't the first time that happened. You uh, another night I dropped out, and you and Marty went on to play another five matches. So you're That's definitely fair. flying ahead there. I think you've done more matches than you think you've done. It is addicting. Like it certainly, it doesn't feel, cause I like got off and I was like, oh, okay, time to play 76. And then everyone started leaving and I was like, what? And I go check the time and it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like everyone's going to sleep and like, I'm still, I'm still, still sitting here just about to boot up 76. And I guess my leveling up helps in 76 cause it is a fair bit of score. It's like 500 plus usually three repeatable. So 800 mm-hmm. effectively score a day. Uh, or on the day that I level up. So like that obviously helps. So that, 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 that maybe that is the mystery solving piece. Right. But, uh, other than that, I can't, I don't think anything else. I I did a little bit of Pokemon snap of all things. (laughs) Oh, wow. And then I unlocked like another map and that was it. I think that was, uh, that was my week. How about you? Uh, for me, uh, I'm juggling quite a bit and I kind of kind of wish I wasn't. Um, <laughs> so I finished Death Deathloop. I'm not sure if I brought that up. So I think I missed last week, right? Yeah, I don't think you ever. Yeah, I don't think you told us that. Yeah, so I finally finished Deathloop off and it was I thought it was great. It was I think it, it might be my game of the year. I don't know if it's like a it's it's definitely not like a Red Dead or a God of War, mm. you know, or something like something like big like that. But just overall, I think it was my game of the year personally. Um, and then I, I, I did Halo. I played some Halo, started the campaign. It's a lot of fun. Um, it feels very like basic though. Like I know, I know it's getting like a bunch of good scores and people are liking the campaign and stuff, but it right. just feels like that franchise is dead. It feels like it hasn't really changed enough. Like God of War is a different game from the original you know, three God of War mainline games, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of felt like it pushed Kratos kind of into the 2020s or like whenever it came out. I guess it came out 2018, 19, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But I just mean like into the, the future age of gaming. Halo yeah. to me still feels like a last-gen title. Same with Gears of War. They still feel like last-gen titles to me. And so even though the game's fun and great, it's just like, well, I'm kind of just living off nostalgia here, you know. I would it's say fine. it's perfectly fine. Would you or let me ask you a question, I guess. 
Would you say something like Overwatch is sort of old school like Halo? Different in their own right, of course, mm-hmm. but old school feeling. Do you think that they're old that it's old school? Hard for me to say that because it, I've never really played a game like that until Overwatch. I know um Team Fortress, you know, was there before mm-hmm. the, kind of one of the early uh, team team shooters and stuff. So I um I do think Overwatch feels old. It's like five years old, right? Well, when you played it, though, you were playing it in the first year. And I don't think yeah. you I don't think you thought like, did you think it was old back then? Old feeling? No. See, like what I would say about Halo is that. Halo is an old school type of shooter, <laughs> but it, it's been revived by this open world element of all things, because I know mm-hmm. some people have disdain for that now. It's been revived because Halo has always been sort of about if you will, like expect or uh, experimentation. Hey, if I, you know, lure them in this hallway and blow up the, the stuff here, like, does that work better? Or like, there's been a lot, of, it's, it's sort of a lot of like physics based solving mm-hmm. of problems. You can just go in guns a blazing, but you can also kind of do some crazy stuff. Like, Oh, I'll throw like the plasma and make the grunt run back and it'll, they'll go to the group and blow, blow up. And there's a fusion thing there. So it'll work or, Hey, I'll rip this, this turret off and this mounted turret off and I'll chase after them. This open world just kind of opens that up more. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the Halo old school design, you're correct there. But I would say that's more timeless in especially in a time where the newer shooters, not all of them, but the newer shooters like Call of Duty don't seem to be critically or at least user score ish doing all that well. It's sort of like the new fangled shooter is getting old and now the old school shooter which didn't, which which got old just due to age, but didn't get like rusty. It's just a different way to make a shooter. Well, yeah, I will back. say, I will say that like Halo Infinite as a shooter is is kind of more interesting to me right now than the current like COD or when Battlefield had a campaign, the Battlefield campaigns, right? Um, but I just think it's those, it's that. It's walking through the hallways that are just empty, that just have like a crate on the side for no reason, you know, and you enter a bigger room and there's like fighting. And then there's like these massive platforms that are like floating that you run across and the whole room's empty. You know, it's just it's just weird. It's very weird feeling. Now, maybe they're just sticking with the universe. Maybe that's what Halo is, but it makes no logical sense to me anymore that that there's just these endless hallways in these facilities, you know. And not to mention, you're fighting the same things. Like you have the little grunts running around. You got like some like bigger guys. You got the guys with the shield. You know, whereas like God of War literally puts you in a new setting, has new enemy types, new new gods you're fighting, completely new mythology, a new weapon. Yes, you do get the his old weapons back. You know, but you have a new weapon. Like they completely revive that series. And I just feel like Halo's kind of run its course, um, even though it's going to sell well, you know, it's going to be successful to me personally. I just feel like it's run its course. Well, I would actually argue that the God of War, like I'm, I'm with you there. I think God of War is a bigger, better version of itself, and it definitely needed the boost. But I would say that the old way of doing God of War actually actually got old. It wasn't it, it almost feels like it wasn't a different way to do a game like that. It feels like the old way to do a game like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with 
a shooter, you can say it's old school, certainly, and it is certainly the product of yesteryear, or at least the formula is the product of yesteryear. But it didn't, it didn't leave because it was bad or felt dated. If they made a God of War in the old way now, I think we would be like, wow, this is old feeling. It would, like, little puzzles and stuff like that. It's sort of like why Assassin's Creed changed from what it was because it in and of itself was getting stale but it was also getting old i don't see them going back to that formula again of how assassin's creeds were you wouldn't be like man i really wish there was an old school assassin's creed game out right now no in terms of the mechanics and stuff you know right but you could say hey this is an old school shooter that's cool because it, it it just it just got old. It didn't get tired, if you will. Yeah, shooters are a different animal, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, other than that, though, I've also been uh, kind of working on um, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, God. I think I am slowing down, though, because I kind of <laughs> want that. I kind of want that next update. I don't want to beat the game before that, that bigger, better update comes out, because there are still problems with the game, right? So I'm kind of I kind of want to see what that update's about. And then talk speaking of Assassin's Creed, I've re-downloaded Odyssey and there was a big update to Valhalla and freaking Ivor is meeting Cassandra from Odyssey and they're combining the two games and that's freaking awesome. And so I can't wait to kind of jump into that level and get that going. Uh plus they announced a new DLC for Valhalla which looks super cool. Um I can't remember the name of it. It has something to do with Ragnarok cuz that's the only <laughs> The only thing you can do when you're doing a Norse mythology type of game is is Ragnarok. Um, but yeah, those those look awesome, and I can't wait to to jump into that. Did you have to download both? <clears throat> the 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 mission is playable in both. I don't know if you need to, mm. but they said that the the thing was available in both games, and so I just thought, okay, I'll get Odyssey going again. Um, I'll, I'll have to check it out and see what's going on. I wonder if it'll. Uh showcase some of the the game design aspects of what infinite will be mm. since it crosses the game like are we mm. going to be free roman maps like how's that going to work that's very interesting matt to get a little bit of that user data early right not only that maybe they want to do like a mcu type of deal where you have different heroes from different assassin's creed timelines you know joining forces yeah people would go probably pretty nuts for Ezio. the metaverse the metaverse of, of assassin's, assassin's creed. creed which is a metaverse within a metaverse is it a metaverse well you you plug into the uh the animus yeah so they're they're we're playing the game of them yeah. playing a game yeah technically i suppose that's, that's pretty right. meta yeah yeah, I'll give you a, a, a solid six out of ten for that one. Okay, all right, let's hop into the stories. Um, Ubisoft announced a Splinter Cell remake. This is from IGN. Announced on Ubisoft's website, the remake will be developed by lead studio Ubisoft Toronto, the developers of Splinter Cell Blacklist. It will be built from the ground up using the Snowdrop engine, uh, which is the tech being used for the Division games, the upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora game, and Ubisoft's as yet untitled Star Wars game. Uh, in an interview with posted to Ubisoft's website, producer Matt West said, 
I think it kind of has to be a remake as opposed to a remaster. Although we're still in the earliest stages of development, what we're trying to do is make sure the spirit of the early games remains intact in all the ways that uh, give early Splinter Cell its identity. Uh, do you ever play Splinter, Splinter Cell, Matt? Yeah, I played the first one actually on a jam pack on my PS2. So not the whole pack. thing, but yeah, you know, those little demo discs that gave you a bunch yeah. of different demos on there. So I, I played the first level um, and it was pretty nuts. It was one of those games where I was young enough to not understand all game mechanics yet. And so I remember playing it and just getting my ass kicked. And I was like, man, like, what is going on here? Like, how do I play this? But I stuck with it and I learned how to, like, drag people around and like, oh, I got to hide bodies. Like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just didn't under like it wasn't like it was like I was I sort of like learned how to play games a certain way at that stage of my life. And I hadn't like figured out that like, hey, there's different ways. <laughs> like I was kind of in an echo chamber of, I guess, a collection of games that I had on me. Um, All right. So I do remember the first Splinter Cells being quite sort of gritty and pretty serious, if memory serves. And then I did play Conviction, which may be the last one. I did play Blacklist. And I played another one. And I believe they they were still serious, but they became more um, modern shooter for the era they were made in. Right. Rather than sort of what I would call revolutionary, but I wasn't exactly playing stealth games back then. So maybe it was just on par. But to right. me, it was like, whoa, this is a, a pretty crazy stealth game. I have not played a single one, man. You haven't played like Pandora tomorrow? None of them. Like you haven't played any of them. No, I'm not a big stealth guy, um, which is funny because MGS is one of my favorite like series, but um, not big on the stealth. I just don't like the the aspect of of failing the stealth and then all hell breaking loose. Um, I'm not necessarily against you there. I will say that a lot of stealth mechanics, I think, need to grow up, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a lot of like aspects of gaming has been upgraded over the years. But like, for example, playing that first like uh, like Ghost Recon Wildlands, I, like those stealth mechanics were garbage. Like, oh, put on <laughs> put on a silencer and snipe. Oh, now they all know where we are. It's like, well, yeah. how? Like, did yeah. they did they see him? Did they not? Because when you're talking about stealth in a game, you're talking more about what is this game capable of and how do I become stealthy within the mechanics. It's less about realism, where it's like if I sniped a guy in real life. <laughs> Then like another person in like that was guarding said facility would see said person and sound an alarm of some sort. Right. Right. Or call it in or whatever. That's like human logic of something that would happen in real life. But that's not what we have in games necessarily. So we have to be given the ground rules. And I just feel as though in a lot of games lately, the ground rules are very loose. And as a result, most failures in stealth, not most, but frequent enough to be annoying or just because it's like, crap, I didn't know he could see around that corner or like whatever. Right. And it's like, well, I guess, I guess we're going loud now. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes this big, this big issue. So I, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen here. It'd be nice to happen here with this remake, but I just feel as though the stealth mechanics need to grow up. Uh, I think this is, I think I'll give this a try though. Um, I think, I think this is kind of the beauty of, of remakes in general. Not so much remasters because <laughs> remasters are hit and miss sometimes and they still just like look like the older game, <clears throat> you know? Sure, yeah. Remakes, I think, since they feel, since they're built from the ground up effectively, um, they feel like modern games. And so you, they're a nice entry point for me, I, I think. 
It's uh, um it, it if it's if it's like as difficult as I perceived it to be when I was a kid. So I mean there's a real big grain of salt in there. Uh I think you're going to struggle with it. As will I. Like there, I there think were it's tough uh, uh stealth games. They were they were tough for the time. Again, that's from my perception as a kid, not fully understanding like stealth games and realistic mm-hmm. games at the time. So, I mean, like hit and miss there, big grand assault. But I do remember Conviction, I believe it's Conviction, being very action-y and not really Splinter Cell. Uh, they yeah, go on yeah to good s- luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they go on to say that part of keeping this remake true to the series' identity is that it will be a linear game, not an open-world game akin to many other Ubisoft games. And as for the gameplay that um, that happens within those linear levels, the emphasis is once again on stealth, not action. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that might be the part that 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 pushes me away. We'll see. I think I think I want to try it though. The multiplayer was a hell of a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I remember playing Blacklist and being like one one team is spies and one team is I don't know guards or something. And like the spies got to run around and take stuff and you got to like try to protect the area or whatever. It's pretty, mm-hmm. it's, it was pretty damn fun. And I think that some of the games even had a co-op campaign missions. Either I don't know whether it was actually campaign or just like a separate little co-op campaign that you could do. But uh, this being the first game, I don't think it had that, but it'd be cool to bring that back. Cause I do remember, I do have fond memories of, of blacklist multiplayer for sure. All right. So I guess that's, that's probably gonna be a year is out. I think <laughs> they said they're in the earliest stages. So might not see that for a while. But anyway, there you go. Uh, next up here, uh, new DualSense wireless controllers, uh, controller colors are arriving next month, followed by new PS5 console covers. This was on the uh, PlayStation blog. It said, today uh, we are pleased to reveal the newest colors to join the PS5 family of color accessory offerings. Nova, Nova Pink, Starlight Blue, and Galactic Purple, adding to the previously released Cosmic Red and Midnight Black uh, DualSense wireless controller colors. Uh, the latest Galaxy-inspired colors will launch globally starting in uh, January 2022 at participating retailers. The Midnight Black and Cosmic Red PS5 console co- covers will be available starting January 2022. Uh, and the Nova Pink and Galactic Purple and Starlight Blue uh, console covers will also be uh, also launch in those locations during the first half of 2022. Uh, I pre-ordered the black one. Uh, the cover, not the controller. Oh, wow. And it is, you should note that obviously there's a digital only PS5 and a, and a, and a Blu-ray drive uh, PS5. Just make sure you get the, the right one, you know. Are you, like, would you buy different ones for different games? Well, this is what I want to talk about. This actually makes me excited for the idea of them launching custom faceplates or covers, as they call them. Well, 360 had the faceplates. Right. The first version of it did anyway, or the first couple or whatever. Right. They had the faceplates. You could buy a different game faceplates and stuff. I don't know how well they did financially. I had a couple cool ones. I had like a Viva Pinata one I was given as a gift and stuff. Because um, it kind of. Oh, good. Well, no, I was just going to say, like, would like would you would you prefer a limited edition console or limited edition faceplate? Here's the problem. I already have a PS5. So if right. they came out with a, you know, special edition, anything that I liked PS5, I'm not going to buy it. I already have a PS5. Now, some people might sell their old PS5 or, or trade it in or something, but I, I want to keep my original PS5, right? Um, 
same thing happened last year where they had the uh, Last of Us PS4 uh, Pro. It was super cool. I really wanted it. I already had a PS4 Pro. They also came up with a cool Death Stranding one. I wanted that. Couldn't do it. So I think if they came out with these uh, covers, that's a really like nice way to be able to change your console without having to buy an entire new one. How easy are these things removed and added? They look pretty easy. I think you just kind of pull up on one of the corners and then pull down. They just they just snap on and off. Because the <laughs> stand that it comes with, it, it went in the horizontal position, to be clearer. I believe kind of clips onto part of the faceplate. Is that correct? correct. Or the bottom yeah, plate? Correct. Yeah. So I'm, I guess I'd just be worried about the clips weakening. Or the mounting it's, system weakening and then it falling off of the stand. Although that could just be a mute point because it's probably just there to brace it. It's probably not gr- literally supporting it fully with those little clips. Uh, you're talking about the clip of the stand itself. There's like the two little hooks on the back. I don't think those are um, structural in any way. I think that's just literally to hold it in place and and to kind of have you line it up so the, mm. the weight balance is proper. Right, because right. there's like little like there's like an X circle square icon there or something. Because I don't I don't know how much you've moved yours around, but I've taken my PS5 around and stuff. It, that it's a very loose fit. It's not there to to hold on to it and and be there forever. Okay. It easily falls off. I've even slid my PS5 towards me, um, and it's it's come off the stand. Oh wow! I think it, I think it's just literally kind of like guideposts, really, just to hold it in place and and so that it's in the right place. And then like gravity <laughs> kind of holds it on the yeah. Yeah, which is a weird design. Um, it's very strange, uh, but it is what it is, I guess. Um, but Matt, you you don't like the PS Five design, but it's not so much the color. You don't like the shape. Yeah, like I I was I was telling you guys in the earlier days, like I would really like a black version. Um, I don't really like white electronics. I kind of feel like that's a '90s thing, like a white or a gray electronic. That's more of a '90s thing for to me personally. Um, but I will say that when it comes to the PS5, I would not, at least at this point, buy the faceplates that are like the black ones because I don't like the design more than I don't like the color. I think the whole thing with the stand and it being almost like designed, like the console is almost like it's designed like a wave. Mm -hmm. And then they have this stand to compensate, whereas they just could have not needed that compensation. (laughs) So I just kind of feel as though it's counterintuitive. I'm not a hardware designer in any by any means or a person that knows how to thermal test stuff. So like I could be talking and they could be like, no, we needed it to be that way. And and fair enough if it need, does need to be that way. But as someone looking at it versus looking at my Series X, you could say the Series X is plain, but I'm also not looking at my Series X all that much. You could then use that argument and say, well, don't look at your PS5 that much. Certainly. But my PS4 shelf used to fit a couple controllers, a, a hard drive, and then a PS4. Now it just has a PS5 on it. Controllers don't fit on the shelf anymore. It just takes the whole damn shelf up. It's a big console. It mm-hmm. is a big console. And so I I don't know, I'm not there for that. It's just it's I think it's too big and it's one of the it's one of the few consoles that I would consider depending on price and whatever. I would consider getting a re a redo like the PS5 Pro or something if I were to prefer the design because I I don't know that the PS5 design just does not speak to me. 
Well, I think it's a, I have grown to like it. Um, it would definitely was shocking <laughs> when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was also by design though, because while the, the Xbox series X is visually stunning in, in terms of its simplicity. And when it was first revealed and it was like that, you know, it was um, vertical, it looks super cool. Right. But that's all you can really say about it. The PS5, I think, had a lot more chatter about its design long. Uh, that lasted longer than the, the, the chatter for the Series X did. So I think it was kind of yeah. a marketing thing. They wanted to make a statement, you know. I wonder if it hurt their profit margin or anything. In, in like per, in terms on of a per console basis, yeah, on a per console basis, I wonder if if the let's just call it what it is a weird shape. Uh, I wonder if that weird shape that it is, plus the fact that they needed a separate stand, hurt them per console yeah. at all? Because it's a little bit nuts, honestly. Like it's I, I don't know it's it's weird. It, I don't know what it it I know what it is. It's just weird. Like it is a <laughs> it is a weird shaped electronic. I've the Xbox 360, the original, used to be like an inhale, but mm-hmm. it would sit flat. Put it in a ba- put it in a bag, you know, put it in a box. It would sit flat, had little footies on there. You can st- stand it up, lay it on its side, whatever, you know, in various configurations. And then it that was that was just it. This thing, like when I'm plugging something into it, like I'm scared it's gonna slide around. And even you said it slid like it's easily off slid stand, out, yeah. slid off its stand. It's sort of like this is so counterintuitive to me. Like it just <laughs> it just I don't, it. You're, it might be a publicity stunt, sort of what you're saying, where they want to make a statement. But I, I, no matter how you slice it, I'm not there for the design of the PS5. Here's what I want: um, if if they do make more of these covers, uh, I know they kind of shut down third party ones. I think they like either sued them or whatever. Didn't it come back, or did they sue it again? I don't know, but they they clearly didn't want third parties making making covers. But here's what I want from Sony: a wood grain outer wavy cover mm. right and then i want a uh maybe dbrand can do something like this a brushed like aluminum sticker for that that black part like a macbook kind of or like your macbook uh kind of but more what i'm more going for is like old like stereo equipment where you had ah. the wood the wood on the sides and then the brushed like aluminum like front piece you know yeah, that's kind of what I want my PS Five to look like. Like kind of almost like a well, like you said, old serial coming, but almost kind of like the Atari, the old Atari, like the Atari with the wood down there. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a cool concept to have like wood in your electronics. They put you it know? in cars and stuff too. Yeah, like it's yeah. a, it's certainly a bit of a I don't know what. It's I, like I combining say nature a, with 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 technology. Yeah, it's like a luxury feel, I guess you could say. Although I know a lot of people hate wood paneling on cars and stuff. I don't know. I don't think it works on the outside. But on the inside, it's nice. I think it works good for a station wagon. I think it works good for where... where for the station wagon, yeah, because that's like a classic looking, you know, kind of car. The newest car I can think of with it, and I'm not really a car guy, is the PT Cruiser. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and I don't really like the look of the PT Cruiser no. to begin with. So, I mean, I can't exactly well, judge it. <laughs> judge it was cool when it line. came out. It got old real fast. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'll give you that. Yeah. It was sort of like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then it was sort of like, man, that's kind of lame. <laughs> Pretty it, quick. It, it kind of had like a 1940s kind of vibe to it. You know, it was, it was cool in that sense, but then it it just aged horribly. I don't even know if I see any on the street anymore. 
will the PS5 age horribly? That's, it's possible. I think when you have a crazy design like this, I think it might age more quickly. Because the like, if you look at the old Atari consoles, and you know, versus Nintendo versus Sega, as they as they all started fighting, it's uh, you know, there's similarities obviously taken there, but like, there's some pretty big jumps. Like even to the isn't even the original Xbox to the yeah. 360 is a is a fair you know a fairly different look, despite the fact that they're both boxes that sit flat. That right. might be the most bizarre thing about the PS5 is that it doesn't sit flat by itself. It, like I don't think it I don't think it should need help. Well, it's funny that this generation both consoles were like primarily designed to be vertical. That's kind of a funny concept. Uh the three the series, like I don't know whether what the designer said, but the series seems to be pretty universal. Here's a box. Here's a box no, on yeah, its no. side, you know. It looks ugly on its side. It's just this big honking block of cheese sitting on its side. They showed it off when they first showed it off. It was vertical. And I think in most of the marketing, it's vertical. So I think there were, and if you look at the logo, I think even for the on button, it's, 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 it's oriented to be vertical. I think the 360 was the same. Uh, I don't know how many people I knew that did it vertical. Right. But I didn't. I think I tried it for a bit, but I didn't do it long term. That's for sure. My PS3 and PS4s were vertical. My PS4 Pro was horizontal. The PS3 was particularly large. Like it was and pretty had a big. Logo. Of course, same with the PS5 or PS2. Um, or certain versions oh, yeah. of it. I don't know hmm. if they all did, but um, I do know that like like the the PS the PS3 was see the PS3 was weird too. But at least it's <laughs> at least it sat down. The George Foreman grill. The George Foreman grill, yeah. Like at least it, at least it sat down though. Mm-hmm. By yeah. itself. I it just, I, oh man, like I could go on about this thing for like half an hour or more. Like it's just, it's, it's bizarre. Would, okay, well, let me, okay, take it back to the story with these console covers. Would, if they came out with like, you, you were looking at the PS4 Pro, like Last of Us 2, yeah. I think, version or something. Yeah. Well, if they, how much are they charging for these? Let me ask you that first. I think 70 bucks Canadian. Holy crap. Okay. Uh, 70 bucks Canadian. If they were to ship a special version of it for The Last of Us 3 or The Last of Us 2 or any other game, and it was more, they doubled it, would you buy the cover for that price? Because if because I would see I could I could see them. I could see them either keeping the, the, the covers the same price, whether they're special edition or game themed or not. I could also see them doubling it or raising the price because oh, this is a game theme one. Yeah, double the price I think is hard. I think that's a hard one to to, to know. Uh, I think it would really depend on how much I like the design. Mm. Um, but I'm going to say no at this time. If it was a hundred dollars, maybe. Yeah, I think I'd be. I think I'd be okay with that. That's that's don't, uh, don't I, tell Sony that though. That's a significant portion of the the console console's, the console's price for me, and it's just sort of like. I don't know, man. Like, I am certainly can be, you know, swayed to buy things that are visual. Like, I bought the odd Fortnite skin, as we've already discussed. But something visual and spending that amount would be too much for me. Well, let me, and let me ask you this, actually, too. Um, so, I bought the black uh, DualSense. The Mystic Black, I think it was called. Midnight Black. M- Midnight Black. I, damn these names. Okay, so... <laughs> Anyway, I bought the about the Midnight Black uh, DualSense because I preferred the look of it. 
Um, I actually don't like the DualSense. I As think a it's controller too, itself? I think it's too big. I think Wait. it depends on hand size because I, I'm actually... When we do like long sessions of uh, Outriders with the, on the 360... Or sorry, not the 360. Xbox um, Series X. Man, who we? That'd be impressive. My hand kind of... My hand kind of cramps up because it's too small. Mm. And so I think I have large, I kind, of, I kind of have long fingers. And so I think the bigger dual sense actually feels nicer to me. See, that's interesting because like, I think, I think my hands are like maybe on the larger side. Like if I wore gloves at work back in the day, I mm-hmm. had to get like large, like that would right. be the size I would choose. But my fingers are definitely shorter. I think they're shorter than yours probably. Um, it's probably like my palm or whatever is larger, like the structure right. of my hand or whatever. Right. Um, but I find that the dual sense, like the, the 360 one, my hand, my left hand always hurts from like running too much. So specifically in shooters, usually you click the left stick in mm-hmm. my hands always hurt from that for years on 360 on PS. It doesn't matter. It just always hurts. If I do that too much, like too much, like hard grip to like squeeze the, the stick down. Um, if I do that over and over again. But I will say that with the DualSense, it feels like the controller, it feels like I have to move my hand around sometimes mm. to do it. So I'm not just like gripping an extra hard or loosening my grip. I feel like I have to, like not not a lot, like it's not like you know really dramatic, but it, it's a pretty big controller. Like to, to do certain things on the touchpad, I've definitely had to like shuffle my hand up and like grab, like and like to be able to really interact with the touchpad. Also, I will say, I keep experiencing that damn rumble glitch where the one where the and it's on both of my controllers where you're playing a game in it and it starts to not rumble correctly. It's just going like, you know, it's like a regular rumble, like a boo. Yeah. Then it's just going like, and it's like loud, like as if the motor is breaking, but you just turn off the controller, turn it back on. It works. And I know it's or I, I, I suspect I should say that it's a software issue because it seems to happen at the beginning of something. So a game loads, and then right at the beginning of a level, I notice it. Like a new game of Fortnite, like we get into a new match, it mm-hmm. starts acting up. It never seems to inter- inter- ever act up in the middle of a match. And the same with uh, Fallout. We'll go to a daily op, it'll start messing up. We leave the daily op, it's still messed up. But if I fix it, and we never go into another daily op or another instance, it doesn't mess up again. Hmm. So it's almost like it's activating the the haptic engine, or it's like activating the wrong rumble. Like I don't know, like something's going on. Is this ha- happening on both your dual senses? Both my dual senses. Uh, oh, I just tried. Heck? I just tried the black one before, and I looked it up, and other people have the same problem. It's it's suspected that it's a per game thing because I was having it on th- on Fallout seventy six. Fallout seventy six is pretty buggy sometimes, so I I thought nothing of it. Then I started having it in. Oh no, I've I don't think I've. I either never had it in Odyssey or I only had it like once or twice in all my time with it. So it wasn't like super noticeable. Mm-hmm. But then in Fortnite, I have to restart my controller like every third or fourth round. Wow. Because it just keeps screwing up. And people thought, oh, it's a PS4 problem where like the PS4 is rumbling differently and like the PS5 isn't compensating all the time. There's something, you know, there's something different with the motor between the DualShock 4 <clears throat> and the, the DualSense, which is, I guess, probably true. Mm-hmm. But now like I'm playing... Fortnite PS5, I believe. Like, I think it's just yeah. a straight up PS5 version. And it's still screwing up. So, like, it's kind of like, I don't know what's going on here. And it's both of them. So, it's not, or there's a very, like, slim chance that it's hardware. Especially since restarting it always fixes it. It has never not fixed it. And your dual senses are, like, firmware up to date, right? 
both of them are up to date. They never, they, they don't prompt me. So like, yeah. they're as up to date as I know, like as I can I'll do it as far as I know. So I don't know. It actually, to be honest, it probably got worse after the last update. <laughs> but playing Far Cry six or seven or whatever it is, um, playing the new Far Cry, it does. It has not done it to me. Hmm. And so I'm wondering. Yes, this is a PS5 version of Fortnite. Obviously, been ported in some capacity from PS4. I wonder if it has a little bit of that old Rumble <laughs> code because it's just something you would overlook. Right. And then it's just there's something. There's something and. It's it's not necessarily hard to hear it, but if I have my big headset on, I never notice it. But if I have my earbuds in sometimes, I can hear the room a little better, and that's when I notice it. And I wonder how how often like how much people aren't noticing it. Yeah. But it is happening. So that that's my that's my PS5 and DualSense rant, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on to our final story this week. Uh Microsoft explained how the Red Ring of Death happened. Um, this is from GameSpot. Anyone who owned an Xbox 360 knows what the Red Ring of Death is. Typically shortened to the RROD, uh, the hardware failure was sudden, fatal, and happened to a massive number of Xbox 360 systems prior to the slim model's introduction. While it's always been speculated that the failure, which effectively meant the console was only good as a paperweight going forward, was caused by its poor thermals, the documentary Power On, uh, the story of Xbox, reveals that that's only partially true. According to, to Leo Del Castillo, uh, who has been a member of Xbox's hardware engineering group since 1999, the Red Ring of Death was caused by connectors inside the components of the console uh, breaking. Uh, while the reason behind the components, uh, so, uh, soldering balls used to adhere to the GPU uh, to the motherboard, breaking was thermal, high temperatures inside the Xbox 360 were not the lone issue. Instead, according to Todd Hamdahl, Xbox's head of hardware from 1999 to 2014. The problem was the temperature of these balls going from hot to cold so often. And he said, quote, all these people love playing video games. So they would turn this thing on and then off. And then when it would and then and when it would turn on and off, you get all sorts of stresses. These stresses eventually led to this uh, solder s- soldering balls, fracturing, partially uh, severing, severing the connection between the Xbox 360 GPU and motherboard. Uh, so Xbox's solution to the problem was simple and straightforward. The company would, re- would repair every Xbox 360 that had been sold at no cost to the customer. However, that itself became an issue due to the massive cost it would pose to the company. According to Peter Moore, the former head of Xbox, by the time we looked at the cost of repairs, the lost sales that we factored in, we had a $1.15 billion problem. However, Steve Ballmer, the CEO uh, of Microsoft at the time, quickly gave more the funds needed to fix the issue and altogether save the Xbox brand. So partially overheating, but also just the soldering balls uh, breaking, which kind of seems odd because I feel like wouldn't that kind of stuff been sorted out by that point? Well, I, I do remember people talking about the, uh, do you remember the towel trick people used to do? Yeah. Where they would, and you really should not do this because <clears throat> it's a fire hazard. But people would, people would wrap their Xbox, they'd turn it on, and it would have the three, the three red lights. And there was some sort of, I don't know, there was some sort of other part of the procedure, I think. But in general, you, you would wrap a towel in it to like make it heat up real hot. And then that would like remelt the solder. And I do remember people just doing the towel trick and not giving any background. But I do remember watching a towel trick video where people were explaining that it was the, it was the solder. And other people would say it was overheating. And other people would say it's the X clamp, not holding it down the motherboard correctly. And 
uh, stuff I like that. that yeah. Uh, yeah, like there was like stuff like that, or like I remember one guy said that it it starts giving starts getting micro cracks um, around the around the X clamp because the board is getting so hot that it's sagging. Mm-hmm. And then it's like comes back and it like snaps back up and then eventually like it's elasticity, I suppose, will like degrade. Now, whether that's right or not, like who knows? These are YouTubers from like 2007 <laughs> that are just, yeah. like, you know, doing a towel trick, which you should be doing anyway. Um, But I mean, it sucked like a, I had 11 Xboxes go. Woo. And like I had a PS3 and stuff and like we uh, we weren't overplaying it. It wasn't abused. It was just sitting in a in a TV unit or whatever. Um, and it was so bad to the point where we would like, uh, especially in high school, we we all got Xbox Live around then. And so like a, we, that was kind of our golden age of gaming. And I remember we used to have a backup game on the computer because one of our party throughout the summer, at least at one point, would always have a, an Xbox out. Like, oh, someone wow. got Red Ring of Death. All right, let's play the backup game. Wow. Um, it literally, like that was literally what we did. So it's nuts. Like it was a crazy problem. I remember I had like, I've had like a lot of stuff break. I've had the, I've had an overheating problem, like two red light. I think I think it's one or four red lights for, uh, the hard drive breaking. I've had the hard drive break and I've had the red ring of death. I think, I think I've had 11 red ring of death or it's very close to that. Uh, it was bad. I, I even had an Xbox elite. I had an Xbox 360 Elite, the black one. Mm-hmm. And I believe that one either red ringed or it got something else wrong with it. And that one went. I think that was the one that just kept booting up and saying four red lights, which is like no video or something. I don't remember now. But that one broke too. And I got that one fixed. Uh, the only one that I ever, I never had any of the new form factors. I always had the mm-hmm. inhale. And the one that's like, I mean, it's sitting on a shelf, uh, but it's not hooked up. But uh, the last one I had that was working was actually one I bought for $20 on some crazy EB games deal. It was like trade in a certain amount of games and get an Xbox for 20 bucks. So I like did that, uh, 20 or 30 bucks. And I got that Xbox and the, the disc tray is just toasted. Like it, you have to push the button like 40 times to get it to open. Wow. Um, just, just a disaster. Like the 360 was a, was a, it was, it was a particularly bad era because it's one of those, it's one of those eras too where I was too young to like deal with it myself. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like the annoyance on the parents where it's like my, my Xbox broke again. And it's like, well, what did you do to it? Type of thing. It's one <laughs> yeah. of those. It's one of those. And it's like, it's not like literally it just sits there, man. Like it's, I'm not like shaking it. I'm not kicking it. It's like, you know, it's just sitting there. Uh, there's not even any wired controller. So it's not like we're tripping over the cable. It's mm-hmm. literally just sitting there alone being turned off and on occasionally. And that's it. Uh, so it, it became like, it was like an annoyance to the family at that point. Cause like I said, I was too young to deal with it myself uh, at the time. Cause I think it came out when we were in grade eight. That's right. When we were in grade eight and I got one on launch Christmas. So like I have a lot of good memories about the 360 and a lot of bad memories about the 360. And uh, my gamer tag is, has RROD in it. Right. So <laughs> it's because of that, because of that era. So it was, uh, it was an interesting, interesting era. I mean, I'm glad they sorted it out. I probably should have got a new form factor. Although I guess I did with the elite. Like I kind of got the elite because of that uh, to sort of try to get away from get away from the original model. But unfortunately, it had some other, like I said, some other problem. Well, did you was... did you ever experience it? No, my first Xbox 360 was the uh, Slim, the one where ah. they fixed it. Uh, I came I came in late. I was a PS3 guy the whole that whole generation until. 
pretty close to the end there, and I bought 360 and then caught up on all the 360 games I missed. Um, but I was just going to say, I mean, Steve Ballmer is a crazy guy, but I mean, he might have saved Xbox by accepting that $1.15 billion problem and telling them to like, go fix it and allowing them to use that money to fix that problem. You know, that's uh, that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, he could have he could have just said like too scrap bad, it. you know, scrap <laughs> it or he could have definitely treated it differently. I do remember I do remember it being particularly annoying because like I feel as though it was failing at such a high rate that it would have made more sense to not have the whole like ship 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 me or like ship Microsoft your Xbox and then I don't know whether they repair it or give you a refurb or whatever but you get a working one back effectively. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like it would have been better to like work with retailers for an exchange program or something cuz oh, they yeah. were just they were just failing. And like obviously, like I don't think I know anyone. I no, I know one person that had an old Xbox that didn't that never broke. One person. Wow. Uh, one or two. I think Tim might be one of them, but I don't know whether he bought a later inhale one. <clears throat> but I like man, like they were failing like crazy. It was uh, it. What really sucked about it was that it was a technological jump uh obviously from the 360 to the xbox or the xbox to the 360 rather and then from the ps2 to the ps3 which i realized the ps3 came out a year later but that like generation i guess it's the seventh gen that seventh generation was such a big technological jump and it made people skeptical about technology almost a little bit Mm. where it was like oh like is this like, are we pushing this thing too hard? Like, look at the jump in tech. Like, we, we can't do this yet. We're not ready. Right. Almost. Um, especially as consumers that are uninformed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't know, you know nothing about technology. Of course, you're going to just think like, oh, I guess it's just not possible to do this. Or you're going to sort of write it off or whatever. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a, the 360 was definitely my favorite generation as our golden age of gaming. But holy crap, did it have its problems. And they showed a lot. <laughs> Man, uh, uh, well, uh, Nate, uh, I've mentioned him a few times on the show. Nate even had his uh, his his uh, disk drive go once. Mm-hmm. He had his disk drive go in, in an era where like digital existed, but like not really. No one really did it. And then his disk drive and his Xbox One broke. Like just chaos, like for whatever reason, like. <sighs> Although not Xbox One, the Xbox One era wasn't exactly crazy. That was just a, an, an unfortunate incident. But right, have you ever had a console break, Ryan? Uh, my PS3's disc drive broke. Damn. And I, what's funny is I remember Marty came over, and the only thing I could play was the um, uh, what's that game where you're like, it's it's very artful, and you're running on like buildings and stuff. EA game. Mirror's Edge. Oh, wow. The only okay. thing we could play was the Mirror's Edge demo that I, I had downloaded that day. Um, but the disk drive had, <laughs> had broken. Uh, and I actually sent it back to Sony and they fixed it and then sent it sent it back. So I had my PS3 work forever. And I think the PS4 mm-hmm. was well out. And I wanted to play like Pez or something. They Because they were still giving us PS3 games for free with PS Plus. So they gave us Pez. So I like went to download it and it and it couldn't download the background or I didn't know how to get it to do that. 
So I just, you know, turned everything off, whatever, and I let it download for a few hours and just left it in the same spot I always have. And I guess it overheated, but it didn't break then. Like I was able to, you know, turn on the screen later, turn it off and then whatever. And then I remember Tim came over and I hadn't tried Pez yet. I didn't use the PS3. And he was like, oh, you know, let's play. It was something. I can't remember what it was. And I would go boot it up. And I, I had the original, like I had like a launch day 20 gig one. 20, so I had like PS1 and PS2 and everything I could play on there. Mm-hmm. And I just booted it up and yellow light of death. It was dead. Jesus. And so I went and got it. I shipped it out <laughs> to Sony because the PS3 was still pretty valid. They fixed it. I had to pay for it, though. They fixed it. And then it broke again, like <laughs> a month or like a few days after the one month warranty of it returning. Mm-hmm. So then it broke and they're like, well, if you want to ship it out, like you're going to have to ship it out again. Like you're going to have to pay for it again. Wow. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So I just went and bought a slim. It's crazy too. This is back in the day when your saves weren't clouded or anything. Oh yeah. That's pretty nuts. Uh, Lost, (laughs) lost my black flag. Say I lost all my saves, first of all. Um, (laughs) But like, I mean, they're kind of consumable, right? A lot of these games I'm not going to go back to, but I lost all my saves. I lost, I was in the middle of Black Flag, lost that. Then in that month or so, we got really, really far back into it. And then the console broke again. So then I got the Slim. Like I went to EB Games and was like, I know there's, you know, two or three form factors. Which one do you recommend? He's like, you know, it's kind of like the end of the PS3 era. He's like, just get this one. So I got the Slim model that does not have the the top loading disc. It has like the traditional whatever. You have the nice one. That that console still holds up. It looks nice. Yeah, it looks nice. Um, and <laughs> Tim got me like as far as I could, as far as we were in Black Flag. But at this point I had played it twice and mm-hmm. I never, and I was like, man, I can't fucking, I can't play this game again. And I just never beat it. So <laughs> it was the, uh, the beginning of the end of my AC, the beginning of the, my AC break, I guess. Mm-hmm. But man, those consoles, those consoles back then, like, I don't think that we like as humans, I guess, understood <laughs> how much cooling, like intense graphics, required, and they were intense graphics for the time, and in small form factors, relatively, really small form factors. Like uh, the worst thing was, is I was telling, I was like, talk, I remember like back in the day because it was you know obviously we'd all be chatting, and I remember saying like I had a, a tube TV. And I had like a tube TV um, stand where you could put the tube TV on the top or in the middle. And I put it on the top so that I could put the console in the middle and it was completely alone. I think maybe the PS3 was near it, but it was such a big opening that there were several inches all the way around it. And like several, like like a lot of inches on top of it because a TV was supposed to slot in there, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Especially a tube TV. And I remember like telling my one friend, I was like, man, people are shoving these things because at this time, I think overheating was like the the theory. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, like people are shoving these things into tiny little like brand new at the time. TV stands for HD setups because HD was new. Mm-hmm. And I was like, those things are going to die quick. And I was like, mine keeps dying. And it's like it has the most open air that you could ask for. Like the manual will say, you know, two inches and I have like like 10 or something. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I'm literally like, <laughs> I'm literally doing everything I can. Like what is going on here? Maybe overuse, who knows, but holy crap. What a, what an era you had a, you had a projection TV, right? Yeah. That was a big hunk of junk. It said HD on it. It was not HD. Well, I mean, it was bigger than my, 
Oh yeah, it was a nice big TV, but, but goddamn, did it look like crap? I had to get you guys to read the damn scoreboard to me in Black Ops. <laughs> I remember you got. I remember like asking you guys. I was like, "Man, can you guys like tell me what that score is? Like, is that sixteen or thirteen? Like, what is that?" And every every single time you guys would like heckle me, like, "Man, just go buy a flat screen. Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> and it's like, "No, man, it's gonna keep using this." But then I realized that two TVs might last for literally for you know figuratively forever. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "Okay, like." I can't just use this till it breaks like I like to do with a lot of stuff. I got to get another one because I'm <laughs> otherwise I'm not going to be able to read anything. Yeah. And I'm back at that stage again. Yeah. I got to uh, sometimes use the accessibility larger text because I literally can't read what's on the screen. Well, uh, CES is what, in February? Uh, Sure. And be able to see all the new TVs. All the new ones that I'm that I won't buy out of, out of being it. stubborn. Out God of all of being stubborn. Well, I don't want to set stuff. I hate setting stuff up. What do you mean setting stuff? I'll come set it up. I don't like setting stuff up. I don't like. I'll do it. You want to do a single thing? What are you gonna do with my old one? I don't know. That's your problem. Wait, what? So I am getting. (laughs) I'm getting drawn into that. I get dragged into this thing, kicking and streaming here. You people in your 4K. Oh, it's nice. It's nice. I'm still back in the 1080p era. (laughs) Jesus. All right, that's all we got for you this week. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, You can catch us on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash Media Wednesdays at 8.30 Eastern. See ya. Oh, I guess there's no second pitch, is there? That was weird. I mean, you can still check out Tim, uh, the, uh, the sidetrack. Twitch.tv slash the sidetrack, right? I, I believe so, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, the sidetrack. Look him up Although on he's on, he's on like a little hiatus while he's uh, dealing with uh, his move and stuff. And um, we'll see you guys next time. Peace!